Hey everybody, welcome back to Unplayable, your favorite show about our favorite games. I'm D House here with Mike, Jay, and Jim, the regular crew here. Guys, we're a week away from Gen Con. How are y'all feeling? So excited. Oh, so I'm so excited. Wait. Like, oh yeah, Jim, you don't get to go. You suck, but I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm so happy for you guys, though. Just can't contain my excitement. So good. You're a three-hour like, drive away, I, but you're still not coming. So whatever. Yeah, <laughs> imagine. At, at least come and hang out with us like one night. It's yeah. only three hours. Have some Honestly, dinner. <laughs> if it's B Dubs, yeah. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> where else go. would it be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. So we we've got uh, we've got a whole plan here. It's very Lorcana focused. Obviously, we've got the release of Disney Lorcana at Gen Con. We've got starter deck tournaments there are other things happening with our favorite games we've got yeah hopefully we've got we've got lots of good keyforge happening star wars unlimited demos happening we've got lots of stuff that's just that's coming but uh lorcana is the 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 topic of the night yeah so um so uh are y'all ready to play with physical cards not tts pixel board cards Um, i'm very pumped except Apparently nobody's gonna be able to play with physical cards. So, uh... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Have we even yes, said the yes. word allocation on this podcast? No, we no. haven't. We haven't. We haven't. But <laughs> okay. That, that, that's okay. That's okay. I don't think like it's not relevant I, for us. To talk yeah, about it's not relevant right for us. Like, I think it it will end up potentially being a problem, but we can talk about it when it becomes a problem. And yeah. I, I will say, I will say one thing, and then we can move on from this topic forever until it's just inevitable that it is a topic among the community, but uh, don't overpay for product. Like there's no reason yeah. to it's, there's no <laughs> first wait. edition. There's no advantage to having cards. Now just be patient. I know it's hard, but you will buy product for a reasonable price at some point in the future. Don't pay double for something that is not going to be worth that much in like three months. Wait, but yeah. the one exception is if you're buying my <clears throat> Mickey mouse, uh, brave little Taylor, that I open at Gen Con <laughs> because I have to pay for my Gen Con trip. So in that case, yeah, it's okay to pay a specific card. Prices. You can overpay for that, but yeah, everything else. <laughs> D house will uh, sign it to make its value. Uh, hey, yo, there like, it is. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> there it is. You're, you're going to make it worth less. <laughs> make All it right, truly so unplayable. We'll instantly devalued. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we'll talk about other games maybe next week's episode. I don't know. We haven't actually planned because that's not how we do things. Um, we're talking about Lorcana tonight, um, and uh, we're going to be opening packs. We're going to be doing starter deck throwdowns. We're going to be grinding it out for the top eight Sunday tournament to be the Lorcana champion of the world forever. Um, it's going to be great. So, um, uh, Mike, you had uh, you had some thoughts about just giving some top tips. Your uh, your five un- non-negotiable uh, strategies yeah, to winning everything. Local. Five the- top tips. <laughs> yes. So for for the office fans, this is going to be a reference for you. Uh, you know how yes. they do the uh, the the skit. Him and Michael and Holly do the skit at the uh, the date park day or whatever. And then mm-hmm. David Wallace has to like mention before. I I have not seen this. before they do it (laughs) so uh insert that here (laughs) that's That's a great reference 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah. So Mike, take it away. All right. So uh, Michael Scott, take it away. Free. <laughs> Prison Mike here. Uh, oh <laughs> so you, you guys can feel free to disagree with these tips, but we'll go through them one by one, see what you guys think about my list here. Sure. And uh, yeah, we'll do it that way. See if it's fun. So the first tip that I have after playing at least 10 games of Disney Lorcana is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? I, I don't remember how many I played. Uh, mine. Give us your best guess. Uh, oh, I don't know. At least a hundred, probably now. There it is. There, okay, yeah. that, I think that's fine. A lot. I mean, we a can go count our games. videos. <laughs> that's at yeah, least count, count our videos, and then probably, probably double thirty. It. Yeah. 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 So maybe not quite a hundred in real life. You, you guys have played more than me because I don't play on Pixelborn. Uh, right. But yeah. all right, first first tip, first real tip is mind your uninkable cards. Uh, I am the best person to be giving this advice because <laughs> I am the person who needs this advice the most. <laughs> uh, I am constantly building decks that have way too many uninkable cards because I, I get stars in my eyes about how cool these combos can be and how amazing this deck is going to be when i draw the correct cards in the correct order and then i don't draw the correct cards in the correct order and i get screwed so don't be me don't get screwed <laughs> don't play too many uninkable cards what do you guys think about that that tip mind your stink <laughs> mind your stink no for <laughs> sure i think and i agree with you like the best some of the best cards in the game are all the uninkable cards so it's like you want to play them but you have to make a decision what so in a standard deck what would you say is the like average uh like i guess mm. amount of um uninkable cards you can have like a scale like I think, five to ten, ten to i 15. think eight to twelve is like a reasonable number for a normal deck I think okay. you can justify mm -hmm. more in very specific situations and Purple. less is also fine because you, you don't run into any issues if you don't have any, but you're not playing the most powerful, powerful cards if you're not playing them. So I yeah. think I would try and stick within that range if you're just getting started and, you know, try and break the rules and fall on your face and see if it works. And then, you know, eventually maybe, maybe it will, <laughs> or at least I'm going to keep telling myself that. I think I find yeah, my, myself putting t 12 in my decks like almost every, yeah. consistently. Mm -hmm. um, like I have hundred. put 16 in and sometimes it's yeah. fine. Like most of the time it's probably fine, but it does get a lot more dicey with 16. Yeah. In theory, yeah. 16 should be fine because every what almost four cards is mm -hmm. one uninkable card, but that's not, the way reality works and so you you don't draw your cards perfectly in that order and it becomes much easier to get sort of ink screwed yeah and it feels real bad i think the, yeah, i've been i've the, go ahead okay i would say the the piece that i've been working through is like the cards that are uninkable and like higher cost value you need less in your deck that do that but if you're Uninkable cards are ones that you're okay playing early turn. Those are a little bit like more okay to maybe add a few extra in there. And I just feel like with a game like this, like I don't think you can necessarily like win a game based off your deck building here, but like you for sure could lose your game just off of uh, 
putting too many uninkable cards in there and you're just really hurting your ability to be consistent. Do you do you consider Fire the Cannons to be an uninkable card? It's a weird question because uh, like it literally is, but like does that does that count towards your like allocated limit? Because those are the no, I actually wouldn't count because you probably that. always play them. Like you probably don't mm -hmm. even ever want to ink them anyway. But then you get into a weird sort of uh, area where you know. Some, sometimes you do need to ink that card, right? Like the, the thing you're trying to avoid is too many uninkable cards in your hand at once. And I think, I think I, you know, you can justify that as uh, sort of, you know, you, you can play this card early, so it, it counts less. So you probably are more likely to be able to play those cards, you know, not having wanted to ink them anyway, but you, you can still get yourself into a bad situation by including too many of those, e even sure. despite that. I don't know. And that's where, with the Fire of the Cannons in particular, that's where I could see going to 16 as being reasonable. But I, I do think 12 is probably the sweet spot. And I know, like, in the game Magic, they have the, like, ratios perfectly figured out of, like, oh, you want this many lands oh, sure. in particular I'm, in every single deck. And so I'm, I'm sure, sure somebody we'll will get there one day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, until then... Go with that. It feels like the sweet spot for those yeah. of us who've played 10 plus games. Ask ChatGPT how many uninkable cards <laughs> you should play. You'll probably get a reasonable answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, like a lot of the people playing at Gen Con are just getting starter decks with booster packs. Sure. So that this won't fully be like something you have to think about unless the because every starter deck comes with a booster pack, right? Yeah, I wonder. I, I actually don't know how they're going to... Um, like rule it because like only certain number of those cards are going to be relevant to your deck if they force you to play those colors. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that ends up actually working. Yeah. yeah. Another question yeah. too, is like, how do you, cause other people will probably have bought product at the booth beforehand. Like, how do you know that? Yeah, how do you they know that that card came from the pack? Those packs? I think that's going to definitely mm. be a thing. That'll that be a factor. Do. Yeah, because people suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody's got to ruin it for everybody. Um, are you guys ready to move on to my my second second tip, second top tip? Yeah, let's go. All right, yeah. the definitive number two tip is uh, deck build for card advantage. So well, that sounds obvious. What do you mean it, by that, Mike? It does sound obvious. The premise <laughs> is that in this game, card advantage is very important. Not running out of yeah. stuff is is very important because you can run out of stuff really easily so there are a bunch of different ways that you can build for card advantage one is drawing cards another is ramping cards because they essentially draw you a card by putting the top card of your deck into your inkwell um another is you know in a in a way uh like bouncing cards to your opponent's hand or removing your opponent's uh characters basically anything that puts you ahead in the number of cards that you've played or get to use versus your opponent so uh, what do you guys think about that? This might be like the super obvious one, but I think it's still important to to bring it up. Yeah, you don't want to get in top deck mode. That's the worst way to play this game and inevitably lose, which sometimes it's inevitable. And if we're all playing starter decks at Gen Con, 
I imagine there's going to be more than a few games that's going to end up in top deck mode because yeah. you're typically inking a card, playing a card, and you're only drawing one. So yeah, the, the, um, this this tip is definitely not very relevant for start the starter deck challenge because you're not actually building that deck. So uh, right, yep. sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to build a deck and then go beat Mike the Rebel Spy on the side, you know, for you know bragging rights, you know, yeah, I think that's totally not right. much of a brag, but. What are the different, and I know you mentioned a couple, but maybe what other ways uh, are there to gain card advantage other than draw a card or ramping like Mickey, Detective Mickey Mouse or one jump ahead giving you uh, resources from the top of your deck? What other, uh, like I can think of Hades that recurs cards or uh, uh, characters from your uh, discard pile back to your hand. Um, what else in this yeah, game I think, so far? Uh, you know, in a way, I think rush cards can be card advantage in a lot of cases because you're, you know, if you're if you're playing them well, you're able to remove something on your opponent's side of the board and keep your character that you just played. So mm-hmm. you're, you know, removing their card while playing your own card. I think cards like that in general are very good. Very expensive, obviously, but. Maleficent is like one of my favorite cards for this because you know you play it, you immediately get to destroy one of your opponent's things, and you have like a significant mm-hmm. threat on the board that that you can kind of you know uh, leverage. So I think stuff like that. There's probably a bunch more that I'm not really like thinking of off the top of my head, but uh, find those things and find those like interactions and ways to gain an, an advantage and play those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even things that like you'll hear us a lot of times say like those little one cost cards. It's like, it's not doing enough. It's kind of what we're saying to be worth a whole card. So it's like, if you can use a card that like eliminates two of the cards that they played, that's card advantage. So whether that's making a favorable trade on the board or uh, the first one that came to mind was like the new Elsa card that got revealed. Like all it does is just exert two of their cards, but that could let you then choose like what you're fighting in with and can make those trades that would, give you a bigger board advantage. So that's like, you're looking Mm -hmm. for those advantages with every card that you play. Can I kind of whittle them down of like what resources they have available to them? Yeah. I think the bottom line is like at the end of a game, oftentimes the person who played more cards won the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And that that's true across a lot of different card games. So it's not sort of Mm -hmm. like unique to Disney Lorcana, but it feels amplified in Disney Lorcana because of, I don't know, maybe how like the, the draw, mechanic works alongside the fact that you can directly attack your opponent's characters um but for for some reason it feels sort of heightened in this game so i think it's extra important to call it out um yep cool any other thoughts before we move on to uh number three nope all right well number three did not used to be relevant at all but now (laughs) is incredibly relevant and it is don't overextend and what this means is, uh, if you're not familiar with card games, is basically like don't play out all of your stuff just for it to get wiped by uh, a, a you know be prepared or uh, you know grab your sword. Those are also great examples of card advantage card cards. Advantage. Yeah, uh, if you can use one of your cards to get rid of multiple of your opponent's cards, you're feeling good. And yeah. yep. uh, the worst thing that you can do as the person on the receiving end of that is play out all the stuff, end up with no hand. Your opponent plays that with just one card, kills everything that you have. And now they have a bunch of stuff that they can play and you're sad because now you're top decking and, and you you can't. So 
mm-hmm. definitely more obvious for the uh, the longtime TCG folks, but there may be you know some people among our listeners who are not. So yeah, over the over time you the more that you play the more you'll be able to suss stuff out like that mm-hmm. um and like just learning the card pool helps too so if you know there's a tinkerbell on board then you know at any point they can put shift tinkerbell in and then do the shenanigans or if they're at seven mana oops sorry ink <laughs> they're at seven ink then uh they have the potential of playing the board mm. wipe etc etc you kind of just like start looking at um signs that this may be happening and then choose how much you want to extend and not extend yeah yeah and it's it's difficult to do like to not play the cool stuff that's in your hand and and you feel like you're getting ahead as you're playing cards and questing and and you know doing all the stuff that you want to do your deck wants to do but holding back a little bit if you are sensing that you know something is coming is is very smart and ends up saving you yeah david you got got Um, something to say yeah uh i was just gonna say i think that a good rule of thumb is the whole idea of just because you can doesn't mean you should like is a good rule of thumb like if you Mm -hmm. uh just because you can ink something doesn't mean you should ink something just because you can quest does it mean you should quest? Uh, like, uh, like if you've got baby hook in your deck, like you just because you can quest with hook, uh, doesn't mean you should. If you're looking at a vanilla one two two on the other side, like a flounder, uh, because it's not just, it's not gonna it's not going to lead to an equal trade. Um, so sometimes the the hardest thing for like good gamers to become great gamers is to just not do something. That like in your head, you're like, I should do this. I should play. I should quest. I should, you know, like it's just to pull back mm-hmm. and be like, you know what? I'm going to hold back. I'm going to intentionally hit the break here and not do the thing that I think, you know, most people would because mm-hmm. there's something else at play here. And that's where I see a lot of Lorcana players mm-hmm. like just all gas, go, go, go. And then they end up like mm-hmm. eventually hitting a wall. Because they, because they the just always do Sir the thing. Christopher style of play. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, Diaz, I think that is, like, one of your biggest strengths in card games, though, is your ability to kind of recognize, like, what are the things that could really punish me here? And so that it comes with a lot of understanding of, like, the card pool, like you guys said, um, the situation that you're in as well, as far as you have to know, like, are you on the offensive right there or you kind of need to, like, soak up some punches for a little mm-hmm. bit? Because um, if you're on the back foot, sometimes you can't play into out sometimes you do have to go like all gas no breaks um to try to like overcome what you're doing so having that understanding of like where are you at in the game yeah and then okay if i'm already gonna win by not playing this unless they have this one answer then maybe play into that answer like just to make sure that Mm -hmm. you're not gonna just throw away the game for fun um that's a really tough very nuanced sort of thing to try to figure out it comes comes from like playing a ton of games seeing sort of common play patterns, uh, knowing the card pool and sort of just thinking, thinking ahead a little bit, which I'm really bad at, but, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> are we, uh, are we ready to move on to the next one? Uh, yeah, just do it three. All right. Yep. So number four is, uh, lore matters. So <laughs> I did not used to think that this was true. Uh, early on when we were playing 
Jay and I were, uh, I think Jay built this like seemingly crazy steel uh, Amethyst deck that just basically controlled the entire board through challenger units and uh, smash, fire the cannons, this kind of, that kind of stuff. And it felt like you got to a point where you just had so much card advantage from your card draw and your uh, removal that it didn't matter how much lore was on your characters. Eventually, through attrition, you would just win the game. Uh, and I don't think that's true at all anymore because there are so many different ways to play the game now. And uh, having two or three lore on a character is super relevant and allows you to win the game a lot faster than what was previously possible in the very limited part mm -hmm. card pool that we had access to. So uh, cards like Hans, which is a four cost three, three with three lore is actually really interesting because it is a four cost that has three lore on it. It has bad stats otherwise, but the three lore is like so relevant that I'm like pretty excited to play that card mm -hmm. and, and get that to the table. I think, I think you have to now have a really good reason to play a card that only has one lore on it. It has to be doing something else that is like significant. Otherwise, it's not even worth considering. I think that's how important it is to have like two or three lore characters in your deck. I don't hate that take. <laughs> yeah. What do, you, what do you guys think about that one? Well, what about like one cost, you know, flounders? I don't play those in my deck and... anymore. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't think they provide you enough value. And I think that a lot of like, I would rather, if my goal is to play cheap stuff, I'd rather play Lilo and Maleficent, which have two lore on them. Like they don't survive for as long in but theory, the, but the, but, but the sacrifice you're making is health, right? Yes, like you're, you're, but your, your, yeah. your, your tutus are like not really, you know, doing a whole lot anyway. It's right? interesting. So this mm. is kind of like an aside to what we're actually talking about, Yeah. but I've been putting one cost tutus in my deck Interesting. instead of Captain Hook's Maleficent's early lows uh -huh. because I feel like I'm playing against decks that play two twos and being able to, I don't know. It just feels weird to play a one cost that their one cost trades into and then stays on the board. I, I don't think one cost two, two is like the worst stat line on it. Like in reality, like you're getting like if, if there was a two cost four, four, you'd play that probably. So you're getting like mm -hmm. double the stats for its cost. So I think like it, like it's well costed right? Like one cost that's a two, two. I think that's like a reasonable amount of resources to pay for those stats. But I typically, well, lately have not been playing those in my deck. Number one, cause Tinkerbell exists and mm -hmm. they just die when she comes down. Uh, so I, I, I just think that there's like better well, ways actually, to spend Actually, two twos don't game. technically die as soon as well, she comes down. Well, not immediately. But, uh, Whereas the, the one card, ones do. The one ones do die. That's true. Uh, yep. But the swords card kills the those. source card does yeah which also you know if you're playing steel you're playing that card probably um so i don't know at least that that's how i've been playing recently um maybe maybe, maybe that's not right but i i don't know i haven't been feeling like i've been getting a lot of value out of my like one cost two two cards i'd rather even playing a lot of blue stuff. anyway though and like you just don't play that's one true. cost in blue yeah there's no yeah. point yeah except develop oh. your brain I like right. that card. Well, units. Yeah, like you don't play one cost characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except Flounder because it's the best card in the game. Um, yeah, Flounder <laughs> OP. <laughs> uh, I definitely do think, though, we were wrong. Uh, but, I mean, we had a very limited card pool. So yeah. it was like completely different back then. Yeah. But 
Lore absolutely wins. Lore wins games. Yeah. I was thinking about this last night as I was falling asleep and couldn't go to sleep, uh, which <laughs> is just that like evaluating cards in this game is so interesting and different because the uh, the combat stats of the character is completely separate from the win condition stats of the character. Mm-hmm. And there's so much like it's mm. such a simple thing, but there's so much like design space in there. And so much like decision space in sort of like building a deck and sort of just like thinking about the game in general. It's just, it's not something that I have like really experienced that much in other card games, especially card games as simple as this. Um, but it it's just like a multiplier on top of like the rest yeah. of what the card does is how much lore does it have? Does it quest for? And yep. it, it's, yeah, and more relevant than I like thought the, was was the case, right? Like the the red Gaston has been like an, an interesting like case yeah, study in this of like it's a two it's a two four two with no lore and it basically is permanently reckless. Yeah. Um, I like that card and, a lot actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been coming around on it too. I, I feel like a lot of people were pooping on it, but I'm like, in a lot of ways, I'm like, man, to trade a two two cost with four power and most of, not all the time because you do have the flounders and stuff. It's like, okay, this feels bad. I paid one more lore than you did, and I've you know, um, but it, it at least is like, okay, are you really gonna quest with that other thing? Uh, you can take out Cusco, I can't so that's why I like thing. it now. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do like I like design stuff like that that makes you think like, oh wait, is this good? Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that you like it, Mike, because you're playing red, blue, and you could throw this down turn two, and then yeah. next turn sing, sing. one jump and play three cost Mickey. Yeah, that's why you like I feel, it. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I do. I like it a lot in red, blue because it's like an early game. It's almost like an early game, like, like removal card, right? It's just like deal four damage to something, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you're not dealing four damage with it, your opponent is spending a card to deal with it on their side. So uh i yeah i really like it in that deck <laughs> mm. yeah i didn't think about reckless characters singing instead it's yeah. pretty good another <laughs> reason that i like playing the one cost two twos over the one damage <laughs> one cost because of characters like Gaston. yeah hmm. all right well we have any other thoughts on this lore matters dog lore matters all right the final, the fifth and final tip on my my list of top tips is uh, play songs because they're insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's basically the tip. Like you can play something that costs up to seven and not have to spend any ink on it. Uh, so great example here is be prepared. It lets you wipe your opponent's board. And I mean, your board too. But if you have, let's say... Aladdin, who it costs seven, uh, and you, you shift into Aladdin on turn five, you can sing, you know, be prepared with Aladdin, get rid of everything on the board. Maybe your opponent overextended into, into you because they didn't listen to these tips. And uh, you get to then spend all of your ink on getting back onto the board before your opponent can do the same. So mm-hmm. in other card games, that wasn't, you know, like that's not often possible where you can destroy everything and then build up a board on the same turn. Yeah, and in the games where that is the case, it's been crazy powerful. So, yep. uh, 
you can do that here with that. You can do that with the swords. Um, you can do that with, um, I don't know if there's any other specific song cards yet that you can do that type of thing with, but there's just a lot of, a lot of ways that, that songs are crazy. Like, so uh, I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. And uh, as a, as a good case study on Pixelborn, I know when, when my opponents are naturally better at the game, when I'm playing purple, I play Maleficent, the three cost Maleficent, uh, where when I play her, I draw a card. She's a two, two with one lore pip. So at three cost with like two, two with one lore, most people are looking at that like, ah, big deal, whatever. Cans. Right. R right. Like, like, well, but it's more like, okay, I don't need to worry about this. They're either questing for one Trash. or fighting for two but at three cost. It seems, it seems just looking at her, you've already gotten your advantage and it's over. But when you understand that friends on the other side is a card yeah. that costs three, that you can use this Maleficent that seems done with her usefulness, that you can exert this to draw two cards, all of a sudden that Maleficent actually becomes a little bit more advantageous. So when, I, when, when I'm when i playing purple, when I have an opening hand and I see Maleficent and friends on the other side, I'm, I'm looking at my like turn three and four, knowing exactly what I'm doing. But if you go out of your way to fire the cannons and do or do something to kill that maleficent all of a sudden you've disrupted my game plan i can't i can't exert to sing this song and and uh and now i have to like really change and it really disrupts the flow yep. um and especially if you leave it maleficent living for multiple turns if i can do that a second time if i can yeah. sing that same card a second time i mean i feel like it's like okay i've i've won this game because <laughs> you you haven't respected this threat yep 100 percent Yep. All right. Uh, any uh, uh, a whole new world is another card that you can do it with. Basically, like if you're out of cards or yep. pretty close out of yeah. cards, you can sing, draw back up, and then you have all your immediately all your the cards that you left drew. immediately just like flood the board, which yeah. is cool. So good. Um, yeah, I I, a... I'm even thinking of like the green card that lets you bounce a card. Uh, mm -hmm. Really good to sing that play more stuff behind it i mean anything it, i i actually think this is like a fundamentally broken aspect of the game <laughs> yeah i mean not wrong. I'm, I, I'm not hating on the game because i've actually this is i've had a lot of fun with Lorcana, but i think that it is just like a busted mechanic being able to imagine in magic they were like oh you get to play this seven mana card for free if you exert <laughs> one of your characters. Like, that's that'd be really good, right? Uh, but besides the point, sing your songs because uh, most of the time it's sing worth it. They get, <laughs> yeah, and sing them out loud if you're playing Mike Rudin <laughs> at Gen Con. Yeah, please, please. Uh, <laughs> he loves to be serenaded. <laughs> yep. I feel cool. like a whole new world needs to be the duet since you guys are both getting to draw cards for it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, oh, that's actually, that I wonder, hilarious. That's so, I never thought about that. That's genius. I had not considered that Jim Brain will die. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had not thought about that. It's, You're welcome. It's funny <laughs> because like, there's so much baked into that card where it's like it's a whole new world because you're getting a whole new set of cards seven mm -hmm. cards and you're both doing it so it's a duet like that's perfect that's so good that's... that makes me like that card so much more yeah wow. exactly I liked it. that's awesome 
Um, okay. Any Jeez. any bonus tips you guys have that I yeah. I've left off? Yeah. Let's yeah. I, I I I jotted a couple down over here for you. Coach. All right. All right. I'm One ready. of them is, and I fall prey to this. I have in Pixelborn specifically fallen prey to this several times. Keep track of the lore on the board. I have definitely not attacked into something because I didn't realize they had enough lore to win the game <laughs> on their turn. <laughs> but in addition to that, keep track of the lore you have on your board because there, these last couple turns is pretty significant in terms of like assessing how much lore you can get this turn and the following turn if they don't do anything. So if you have seven on board and you can quest out and then you only need four next turn, then maybe it's worth just questing out with everything if they can't answer all your stuff. Um, like keeping track of that and doing the math to figure out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just in general. There's so much skill and uh, like tactical sort of decision making around when to quest, especially mm -hmm. at the end of the game like that. Like we've, we've mm. played so many games where I'm trying to like do the math of like, okay, if I quest with all my characters, like what are you most likely to do with what's on the board and like the cards that are potentially in your hand and how, you know, like, is this worth it? Should I do this other thing instead? And it just feels like there's such like a deep sort of like pool of possibilities and like things, decisions to think through there. And it, it's like very satisfying to do it. And i I'm wrong most of the time, but when you're right about like the line to take, it's very satisfying and rewarding and uh, mm -hmm. lot, lots of fun. I think like the last like three or four turns of key of uh, Lorcana are some of the most fun sort of like game, like card game experience I've had. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I, I think my, my tip would be, like understanding value trading better like i think that's not an I, for people who have been steeped in gaming i think it's a very like if you played any hearthstone if you played like keyforge if you played any games that were like you you deal the same back and forth like it's a pretty normal concept but if this is new to you that might be foreign so if you're a new card game player like understanding when it's better for you to trade uh, like Mike and I were playing a game last night where I was like, gosh, I don't want to trade this. Like, uh, I think it was like a Maleficent that could quest for three. I can't, I, I don't remember the exact situation, but it was like, I could put three damage into one of your characters. Mm -hmm. Um, knowing my next turn that could open up my ability <laughs> to actually kill this thing to stop you from winning like two or three turns from now versus like, me questing for two or three right now and so like understanding some of those concepts have been like at sometimes like you have to like uh throw the blanket on their you know fire uh versus trying to start your own fire and knowing when it when the value is there and it's it's one of those things where like there's not a perfect formula for this i wish there was um but that wouldn't make games fun either so there is a, a level which like i think sometimes you have to lose a little bit to figure out when yeah when to adjust but if you can just take the take a second and stop before you just hit that you know hit quest grab that lore and just stop and be like should i be doing something else should i either fight or should i just leave this standing up and not do something sometimes that's like what will 
bring you more success. Mm-hmm. Love it. Jim, do you have one? Uh, yeah, actually play games to practice uh, <laughs> yeah. would be my Maybe advice, good. which sounds silly because I'm kind of roasting myself for probably playing the least amount of games here. But uh, just the ability to like understand the card pool. How do you do that? Play more games. Uh, for start sure. seeing like different combos that come up with, oh, I can use this Reckless to sing a song. Like The more reps you get on a game, just in general, uh, just yeah, the stronger you'll get at it. And so I think literally playing the game as silly as and trying different things like (laughs) in this like any game that i've ever played it's i've always had that moment where it's like you learn through a bad experience so for this game it was drawing a handful of unequal cards (laughs) and then you're like I'm never gonna let that happen again. <laughs> right. Unless That's your name's Mike Rudin. Yep. <laughs> so, so you learn from those mistakes, and like you can hear people say the words, "Oh, this is a bad card," or if you just say like, "Hey, what's that deck list? I want to see that deck list real quick." Uh, if you don't know why certain things just don't work the way you want them to, or maybe they do work way better than you could even imagine, uh, a lot of the times you have to just see it for yourself to be able to be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, now I understand." why yeah. the rest of the community thinks this way or yeah. has an opinion. Yeah. You're, you're tapping into a great principle. I do think it's true that you learn more through your failures than your successes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really think yeah. I, uh, I wholeheartedly believe that. He froze for a second. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Are you back? <laughs> I'm great. <Yeah. laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, r- related to this. And as the last tip before we get out of here, I have one more, but that's fine. okay. Yeah, you, you go first. You go first. Ten definitive. Are you sure tips. you don't want to do it real quick? You're not gonna lose it. No, I'll you do want it. Me I'll... Write it down. No, no, I, I'll. I might remember. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, so mine is the mulligan. Um, mm. Learning how to mulligan well. So most of your game, most decks probably aren't gonna require certain cards in your opening hand, but some do. Like my any blue deck, if I don't draw one jump ahead or detect a Mickey, then I mulligan hard for one of those two. But in most cases, um, and I've learned this through having played a lot, uh, if I have a bunch of inkable cards in my hand, or I have a couple uninkable cards, but the uh inkable cards I have in hand I don't want, it's not always better to mulligan sometimes you just keep some of the cards you have because you can end up mulliganing into unequable cards which are some of the worst cards to have in your opening hand most of the time unless it's like very specific cards but most of the time you want to have a a decent amount of equable cards in your opening hand so that you have options to put down so just because you don't want this card right now doesn't mean mulligan it because you could end up uh, hurting yourself and having like half a hand of uninkable cards so but there's i mean there's a lot of nuance to mulliganing in this game but that's just like one tip that was it that was my thing all right last one before we get out of here is find a way to have i mean this is this is related to all games but uh find a way to have fun while you're losing Ah. Because I need to take this advice. Hold on, I'm in. <laughs> you're gonna lose half your games on average if you're an average player. If you're mm. a great player, maybe it's less often than that. If you're a meh player, maybe it's more often than that. But in any case, find a way to have fun the times when you're not winning because you're not gonna win all the time. 
And if you, if, if you're at a 50% win rate, which is like what games try to try to put you at and like a tournament or at, uh, you know, like in, in a, a lobby or a ladder or something like that. And you have no fun when you're losing and you only have fun when, when you're winning, you eventually just have no fun. Because you have this much fun when you're when you're winning, and you lose this much fun when you're losing. You have net zero fun. You've you've not had any fun, uh, unless the times that you're winning, you're just like elated and over the moon, and the times you're losing, you're not that tilted. But you're probably tilted. Uh, it's gonna make it so much more enjoyable for you to uh, participate in the hobby, and it's also, I think, the more important thing. It's gonna be it's gonna make you a better opponent to play against, <laughs> and. That's important for me because I hate playing against people who are bad at losing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just an uncomfortable situation when I can tell that my opponent doesn't want to be sitting at that table and like I'm there to have a good time. Maybe I'm winning the game. Maybe I'm losing the game to a certain extent. I don't really care. I'm not yeah. so invested in the outcome of, of any game that it just ruins my day to have lost. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes you get just like nut drawed and you're just like, can't do anything. And you just, just lose. Just like be happy for your opponent. that They did something so cool and that their deck popped off. Like it's really hard to do sometimes for, for a lot of people, but it will make it so much more enjoyable for you to play these games. Mm. And it will add so much value to the overall community. Yes. If you are not, a horrible monster when you lose. <laughs> yep. So uh, I'll get off my soapbox if you guys want to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything to say. I don't have any experience with that. I hate everything I do. <laughs> I, hate, huh? I hate all the games I play. You hate winning just, too. <laughs> yep. I hate it. And I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm, I mean, that's a, that's like, that's a great close because we're going to Gen Con and so much of the beauty of Gen Con next week is the people we get to hang out with after the game. It's not yeah. like the games are fun themselves. Yes, we're going to have fun playing games. But it's really it's like the sweet awesomeness like that happens is the before the games, in between the games and after the games uh, when you're hanging out and talking. And so just keep that in mind. Like these are just games like a lot of us play games because our lives are very serious and we've got deadlines at work and we've got family responsibilities and like there's a lot of stress and so just enjoy this space have a good time remember it's still a game especially with Lorcana. like yeah. going into this there is absolutely nothing at stake nothing <laughs> nothing absolutely nothing yeah. maybe you get some clout on the podcast us uh you know cycle or like for, 10 minutes you know, before people forget yeah like try try yeah. to treat the game as a medium for social interaction, not there as is. the end goal itself. Uh, yep. So a lot of people might disagree with me, but that's just my theory. That's how I have enjoyed and had fun playing games, even when I'm losing. So I hope I hope you, you take some of some of that. That's that's why we do this podcast. I mean, that's that's that's. I don't think that's crazy for you to say. I think that's what's created our bonds and our friendship in the gaming space, and that's why we record this every week. It's like. None yeah. of us are trying to, you know, win Magic Pro Tour, Flesh and Blood, like World Championship. Like it's just like, hey, you know what? Our lives feel richer because of the friendships and relationships. And like, let's play good games, let's compete, and let's, you know, like try to win. Yeah, but, but also all, like, all in good fun, right? Like that's at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, it's good. All right. On that mm -hmm. note, 
Final thoughts? I guess we got one more one more episode before Gen Con, right? Uh yeah, technically yes. Okay. We do. Yeah. Um yeah, no, my only last thought is uh completely uh left my brain. So, uh I don't have join any thoughts left. <laughs> yeah, join, join our Discord. Do that. Do that. <laughs> We've had a ton of new people joining the Discord the last few days. Yeah, it's been really um, cool. So that's been fun. So join join the conversation. Don't be afraid to speak up too. Definitely. Give um, uh, don't don't worry about if other people are talking. Just chime in. Give Tom a follow on x.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. X.com. <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. Too soon. Uh, what are you doing, Elon? Oh, that's good. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Unplayable. Uh, we'll see you in the next one or see you at Gen Con. That's right. Bye. Bye. See you later. Have a good one.